Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello there, my Mysterians. This is Terry from Texas with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. The Oak Island Mystery is a series of stories of buried treasure and unexplained objects found on or near Oak Island in Nova Scotia, Canada. Oak Island is a privately owned island in Lunenburg County on the south shore of Nova Scotia. The tree-covered island is one of several islands in Mahone Bay and is connected to the mainland by a causeway. The nearest community is the rural community of Western Shore, which faces the island, while the nearest village is Chester. The island is best known for various theories about buried treasure or historical artifacts and the associated attempts to explore the site. Since the 18th century, attempts have been made to find treasure and artifacts. Theories about artifacts present on the island range from pirate treasure to Shakespearean manuscripts to the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant, with the Grail and the Ark having been buried there by the Knights Templar. Various items have surfaced over the years that were found on the island, some of which have since been dated and found to be hundreds of years old. Although these items can be considered treasure in their own right, no significant main treasure site has ever been found. The site consists of digs by numerous individuals and groups of people. The original shaft, in a location unknown today, was dug by early explorers and known as the Money Pit. A curse on the treasure is said to have originated more than a century ago and states that seven men will die in the search for the treasure before it's found. Very little verified information is known about early treasure-related activities on Oak Island. Thus, the following accounts are word-of-mouth stories going back to the late 18th century. It wasn't until decades later that publishers began to pay attention to such activity and investigated the stories involved. The earliest known story of a treasure found by a settler named Daniel McGinnis appeared in print in 1857. It then took another five years before one of the alleged original diggers gave a statement regarding the original story along with subsequent Onslow Company and Truro Company activities. The original story involves a dying sailor from the crew of Captain Kidd, who apparently died in 1701, in which he states that treasure worth two million pounds had been buried on the island. 
According to the most widely held discovery story, Daniel McGinnis found a depression in the ground in 1799 while he was looking for a location for a farm. McGinnis, who believed that the depression was consistent with the Captain Kidd story, sought help with digging. With the assistance of two men identified only as John Smith and Anthony Vaughn, he excavated the depression and discovered a layer of flagstones two feet down. According to later accounts, oak platforms were discovered every 10 feet. However, the earliest accounts simply mentioned marks of some kind at these intervals. The accounts also mentioned tool marks or pick scrapes on the wall of the pit. The earth was noticeably loose, not as hard packed as the surrounding soil. The three men reportedly abandoned the excavation at 30 feet due to superstitious dread. Another twist on the story has all the people involved as teenagers. In this rendering, McGinnis first finds a depression in 1795 while on a fishing expedition. The rest of the story is consistent with the first involving the logs found, but ends with all the individuals giving up after digging as much as they could. In about 1802, a group known as the Onslow Company allegedly sailed from central Nova Scotia to Oak Island to recover what they believed to be hidden treasure. They continued the excavation down to about 90 feet with layers of logs or marks found about every 10 feet. Also discovered layers of charcoal, putty, and coconut fiber along with a large stone inscribed with symbols. The diggers then faced a dilemma when the pit flooded with 60 feet of, of water for unknown reasons. The alleged excavation was eventually abandoned after workers attempted to recover the treasure from below by digging a tunnel from a second shaft that also flooded. The last major company of the unpublished era was called the Truro Company which was allegedly formed in 1849 by investors. The pit was re-excavated back down to the 86-foot level, but ended up flooding again. It was then decided to drill five boreholes using a pot auger into the original shaft. The auger passed through a spruce platform at 98 feet, then hit layers of oak, something described as metal in pieces, another spruce layer, and clay for seven feet. This platform was hit twice. Each time, metal was brought to the surface, along with various other items such as wood and coconut fiber. Another shaft was then dug 109 feet deep, northwest of the original shaft, and a tunnel was again branched off in an attempt to intersect the treasure. Once again, though, seawater flooded this new shaft. Workers then assumed that the water was connected to the sea as the now flooded new pit rose and fell with each tide cycle. The Truro Company shifted its resources to excavating a nearby cove known as Smith's Cove, where they found a flood tunnel system. When efforts failed to shut off the flood system, one final shaft was dug 118 feet deep with the branched off tunnel going under the original shaft. 
Sometime during the excavation of this new shaft, the bottom of the original shaft collapsed. It was later speculated that the treasure had fallen through the new shaft into a deep void causing the new shaft to flood as well. The Truro Company then ran out of funds and was dissolved sometime in 1851. The first published account took place in 1857 when the Liverpool transcript mentioned a group digging for Captain Kidd's treasure on Oak Island. This would be followed by a more complete account by a Justice of the Peace in Chester, Nova Scotia in 1861, which was also published in the transcript. However, the first published account of what had taken place on the island did not appear until October 16th of 1862, when Anthony Vaughn's memories were recorded by the transcript for posterity. Activities regarding the Onslow and Truro companies were also included that mentioned the mysterious stone and the Truro-owned auger hitting wooden platforms along with the metal in pieces. The accounts based on the Liverpool transcript articles also ran in the Nova Scotian, the British colonists, and is mentioned in an 1895 book called A History of Lunenburg County. The next major excavation attempt was carried out in 1861 by a company called the Oak Island Association. The original pit was re-excavated to a depth of 88 feet and two more shafts were dug. The first one missed its intended target of an alleged flood tunnel while the other intersected the original shaft via a branched off tunnel at around 105 feet. Both of these shafts were filled with water when an alleged flood tunnel was again breached. At one point, one of the platforms placed in the original shaft at 98 feet collapsed and dropped to a lower level. The effect caused the next two platforms to drop as well with any treasure now resting some 119 feet below ground along with an estimated 10,000 board feet of lumber. The first of six accidental deaths during excavations occurred during the fall of 1861 when a pump engine boiler burst. The explosion was first mentioned in an 1863 novel titled Rambles Among the Blue Noses while mention of a death came five years later. Another shaft was dug in the spring of 1862, one of which was 107 feet deep. This new shaft was parallel and connected with the original shaft as it was used to pump water out of the original shaft to a depth of 103 feet, although the pumps could not keep up with the flood water. Tools that had been used by the Onslow and Truro companies were recovered. The Oak Island Association also did some work at Smith's Cove by drilling a few shafts in an attempt to shut off and seal the alleged flood tunnels. All of these attempts were failures. In the end, due to the tide which eventually broke through barriers that were put in place. One final attempt was made in 1864 to intersect the money pit, resulting in alleged flood tunnels again being breached. By this time, salt water was undermining the walls of the original shaft, which some workers refused to enter. The original shaft was inspected by mining engineers who declared it unsafe, 
and the company abandoned their efforts when their money ran out. In 1866, a group known as the Oak Island El Dorado Company, or more commonly the Halifax Company, was formed to find the treasure. By this time, there were many shafts, boreholes, and tunnels under Oak Island made by previous treasure hunters. When a plan to shut off the alleged flood tunnels from Smith's Cove didn't work, the company decided to shift focus to the original main shaft. Exploratory holes were drilled and they turned up bits of wood, more coconut fiber, soft clay, and blue mud. Having found nothing of interest, the group gave up the search in 1867. In 1896, an unknown group arrived on the island with steam pumps and boring equipment. Although the pumps were unable to keep water out of the flooded side shaft, boring samples were taken. It was claimed that one of the samples brought a tiny piece of sheepskin parchment to the surface. The parchment had two letters, W-I or V-I, written in India ink. The second accidental death occurred on March 26, 1897, when a worker named Maynard Kaiser fell to his death. In 1898, red paint was poured into the flooded pit by the group, reportedly revealing three exit holes around the island. Captain Henry L. Bowdoin arrived in Oak Island in August of 1909, representing the Old Gold Salvage Group, one of whose members was Franklin D. Roosevelt. By this time, the area known as the Money Pit was cleared out to 113 feet, and divers were sent down to investigate. Although multiple borings were taken in and around the pit, none of the cores revealed anything of interest. Bowdoin also examined Smith's Cove, where drain tunnels and a ring bolt in a rock had reportedly been seen. Although the group found the remains of an 1850 coffer dam, which is basically a working hole in the water, it's like a cup, you push it down into the water, or build it down into the water and then pump the water out and you're able to work on the, the flooring of the water without working underwater. The ev no evidence of anything else was found. Baldoin later examined the stone cipher in Halifax and found it a basalt rock with no symbols. He was doubtful that symbols could have been worn off the rock given its hardness. The group left the island in November of 1909. In 1928, a New York newspaper published a feature story about Oak Island. William Chapel became interested and excavated the pit in 1931 by sinking a 12 by 14 foot, 163 foot shaft southwest of what he believed was the site of the 1897 shaft, which was thought without evidence to be near the original pit. At 127 feet, a number of artifacts, including an axe, a fluke anchor, and a pick were found. The pick was identified as a Cornish miner's pick, but by this time the area around the pit was littered with debris from previous excavation attempts and finding the owner was impossible. Gilbert Hedden, an operator of a steel fabricating company, saw the 1928 article and was fascinated by the engineering problems involved in recovering the reported treasure. 
Hedden made six trips to Oak Island and collected books and articles about the island. He went to England to consult Harold Wilkins, an author of Captain Kidd and his Skeleton Island, about a link he found between Oak Island and a map in Wilkins' book. After Chapel's excavations, Hedden began digging in the summer of 1935 after he purchased the southeastern end of the island. In 1939, he informed King George VI about the developments on the island. Further excavations were made in 1935 and 1936, but none were successful. Robert Restel, with his 18-year-old son and work partner Carl Grazer, came to Oak Island in 1959 after signing a contract with one of the property owners. In 1965, they tried to seal what was thought to be a storm drain in Smith's Cove and dug a shaft down 27 feet. An account of an excavation of the pit was published in the January 1965 issue of Reader's Digest. On August 17th, Restel was overcome by hydrogen sulfide fumes. His son went down the shaft and also lost consciousness. Grazer and two others Cyril Hiltz and Andy DeMont then attempted to save the two men. A visitor to the site, Edward White, had himself lowered on a rope into the shaft but was able to bring out only DeMont. Restel, his son, Grazer, and Hiltz all died. That year, Robert Dunfield leased portions of the island. Dunfield dug the pit area to a depth of 134 feet and a width of 100 feet by using a 70-ton digging crane with a clam bucket. Transportation of the crane to the island required the construction of a causeway, which still exists, from the western end of the island to Crandall's Point on the mainland. Dunfield's lease ended in August of 1966. January of 1967, Daniel Blankenship, David Tobias, Robert Dunfield, and Fred Nolan formed a syndicate for exploration on Oak Island. Two years later, Blankenship and Tobias formed Triton Alliance after purchasing most of the island. Several former landowners, including Mel Chapel, became shareholders in Triton. Triton workers excavated a 235-foot shaft known as Borehole 10X and was supported by a steel caisson to bedrock in 1971. According to Blankenship and Tobias, cameras lowered down the shaft into a cave, recorded possible chests, human remains, wooden cribbing, and tools. However, the images were unclear and none of the claims have been independently confirmed. The shaft later collapsed and the excavation was again abandoned. The shaft was later redug to 181 feet, reaching bedrock, but work was halted due to lack of funds and the collapse of the partnership. Divers sent to the bottom of Borehole 10X in 2016 found no artifacts. The island was the subject of an episode of In Search Of, which was first broadcast on January 18th of 1979. In 1983, Triton Alliance sued Frederick Nolan over the ownership of seven lots on the island and its causeway access. Two years later, Nolan's ownership of the lots was confirmed, 
but he was ordered to pay damages for interfering with Triton's tourist business. On appeal, Triton lost again in 1989 and Nolan's damages were reduced. During the 1990s, further exploration stalled because of legal battles between the Triton partners and a lack of financing. In 2005, a portion of the island was for sale for 7 million US dollars. Although the Oak Island Tourism Society had hoped that the government of Canada would purchase the island, a group of American drillers did so instead. In June of 1996, Robert Young of Upper Tantalon, Nova Scotia, purchased four acres on the island known as Lot 5 from Fred Nolan. This property is the only untouched land left on Oak Island. Young died on October 28th of 2020 and the land passed to his estate. His finds, including a silver 1781 Spanish half real, are documented on his website. It was announced in April of 2006 that brothers Rick and Marty Legina of Michigan had purchased 50% of Oak Island tours from David Tobias for an undisclosed sum. The rest of the company is owned by Blankenship. Center Road Developments had purchased Lot 25 from David Tobias for reported $230,000 one year before Tobias sold the rest of his share. The Michigan group working with Blankenship said that it would resume operations on Oak Island with the hope of discovering buried treasure and solving the island's mystery. In July of 2010, Blankenship and the other stakeholders in Oak Island Tours announced on their website that the Nova Scotia Department of Natural Resources and Department of Tourism, Culture and Heritage had granted them a treasure trove license which allowed them to resume activities until December 31st of 2010. After December 2010, the departments repealed the treasure trove license and replaced it with an Oak Island Treasure Act. The act, which became effective on January 1st, 2011, allows treasure hunting to continue on the island under the terms of a license issued by the Minister of Natural Resources. Exploration by the Legina brothers has been documented in a reality television show airing on the History Channel starting in 2014. Through the years, several celebrities were involved in the Oak Island mystery. Franklin D. Roosevelt, stirred by the family stories originating from his sailing and trading grandfather and Oak Island financier, Warren Delano Jr., began following the mystery in late 1909 and early 1910 and continued to follow it until his death in 1945. Or throughout his political career, he monitored the island's recovery attempts and development. Though the president secretly planned to visit Oak Island in 1939 while he was in Halifax, fog and the international situation prevented him from doing so. Australian-American actor Errol Flynn invested in an Oak Island treasure dig. So did actor John Wayne, but he invested in the drilling equipment used on the island and offered his equipment to be used to help solve the mystery. William Vincent Astor, heir to the Astor family fortune after his father died on the Titanic, 
was a passive investor in digging for treasure on the island. Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd, Jr. was also a passive investor in Oak Island exploration and treasure hunting and monitored their status. Byrd advised Franklin Roosevelt about the island. The men forged a relationship forming the United States Antarctic Service, or the USAS, a federal government program, with Byrd nominally in command. As for the treasure itself, there have been many speculations as to the substance and or the origin of the treasure. Back in the early 1800s, a granite slab was found in the money pit, the main dig site for treasure seekers. A strange message was encoded upon the slab, which when decoded said 40 feet below, 2 million pounds are buried. The stone went through various lives, a fireplace ornament, an attention grabber in a publishing company's window, and others before it was lost. Along with the message on the slab came various beliefs about the treasure. One such theory suggests that the hidden treasure belonged to King Solomon, or that it was evidence hidden by Francis Bacon himself, proving that he was the person behind the name and writings of William Shakespeare. Or it was the hidden jewelry of Marie Antoinette spirited away and held safe against the day the young queen would make good her escape from captivity in France. But alas, she never left. And our me mateys, some believe the pirate Captain Kidd may have hidden his ill-gotten booty neath the sand of Oak Island. Meanwhile, others believe that when Captain Blackbeard claimed he had hid something Quote, where none but Satan and myself can find it, unquote, he actually admitted to stashing something on the island. One of the most intriguing theories about the Oak Island treasure relates to the alleged Masonic markings that can be found all throughout the island. The markings found seem to correspond with the Masonic ritual. But personally, I think the Masons get far too much credit for being the stewards of large bundles of boodle, as do the Knights Templar. As time went on and different groups made inroads into expanding the money pit, water filling the pit became a serious problem, and it led to two discoveries. One, the water rose and fell with the ocean tides. And two, the finding that the beach was wholly man-made, and made in such a way that allowed water to fill the pit easily. By the 1960s, technology had advanced far enough to allow easier and safer digging and exploration of the money pit. But even that wasn't good enough. By this time, there were enough people involved in Oak Island that greed and personalities took over and did more damage than nature ever could. Time goes on and two brothers, long interested in the Oak Island story, as presented in that Reader's Digest story I mentioned earlier, which they read during their younger days, they finally get their shot at searching for the treasure. Rick and Marty Legina began searching and digging around the island. Perhaps the duo exhibited more patience than others. Perhaps they had a different angle of interpreting the clues. But whatever the reason, 
The Legina brothers worked steadfastly and were rewarded with success. The longer they searched, the more artifacts they came up with. An ancient Roman sword, various coins, pottery, various pieces of jewelry, and in carrying their search offshore, they found a possible shipwreck. Has the treasure of Oak Island been found? In part. Is there more to be found? Undoubtedly. I think Oak Island will surrender its mysteries and secrets a little at a time, and the spirit of the island will continue to favor people like the Legina brothers and their team. People without evidences of greed, people who are patient, and people who are eager to reveal the history of the island's mysteries for the sake of knowledge. Well, that's what I have about Oak Island. It's a fascinating story, one that comes from way back and comes from a shadowy, questionable, yeah, right kind of attitude to, hey, we're finding things here. So I wish the Legina brothers well. Maybe they'll find something worthwhile. Anyway, that's what I've got for this week. Thank you for being here and listening to Terry's Mysterious Moments. Y'all have a good week, and I'll be back next time. Thanks.